And welcome back. The final edition of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast, Seven Deadly Sins series. An exclusive special edition, Carter. Yes, it is. Because it's being recorded for the very first time live in Magnolia, Texas. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yes. We're grateful everybody was willing to come out and kind of take a closer look at themselves. And that, that's what we're doing. We're taking a look in front of the spiritual mirror. We have a microphone later. We'll do uh, Q&As. And also, each one of you has volunteered to share your deepest, darkest sin. So thank you so much for <laughs> being here this evening and do that. No, we do want to say we're in Magnolia, Texas at Hebrews Coffee House. And there is so much coffee right yeah. here. It is absolutely amazing. We're going to try to keep each other on point as we generally do in the podcast. But this time on Overdrive because we've already drank. Yeah. A yeah. lot of caffeine. This is a Christian influencer's dream. You have coffee next to a Bible, and I just got to Instagram that right there. Uh, no, we are so excited. So, uh, for those of us that are in the audience, the audience tonight, and those of us, uh, those of you that are just tuning in, you might want to go back and check out the other three episodes. We have covered the seven or six of the seven deadly sins. Um, we've covered the fact that it started uh, in what the fourth century. People just yeah. put these together. They're all no, sins a from, monk. A, a monk. A monk started Give him that. his due. He probably had to shave that little bald spot. He might yes. as well get some, <laughs> some credit. That's probably true. So, yeah, it was a monk, fourth century monk, and he had eight. And then they got narrowed down after a couple centuries with Pope Gregory the First, I think. And he, like, added and took away. And, like, Thomas Aquinas comes along a few centuries after that. The point is they all got mixed up when we realized we're just all in need of help. And we all are broken. Yeah. And there is redemption when we recognize those sin in ourselves. So we don't just have to land at looking at ourselves in a mirror going, wow, I'm a horrible human. Yeah, that's right. Because, I mean, you need to start with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then say, but there is healing and redemption in Jesus Christ. So a couple episodes ago, we talked about the creator of Gilligan's Island and do you just sit back down out in the tail of the, I don't know the words. I have some people nodding here, turn. but nobody's singing so, with you. So we got yeah. the, the cast of Gillian's Island and these castmates, the, the, the creator's desire was that each of them would be one, like a representation of a deadly sin. And so we, I, can you all guess what Ginger was? Yes. Well, uh, we're going to get into that maybe later, but yes, lust. And then we had Skipper was anger and he represented gluttony. Okay. And yeah. then Gilligan, well, he was always wearing red. Some people just flat out said maybe he's the devil himself because if it wasn't for Gilligan, they would have gotten off that island a long time ago. And then. Wow. I wouldn't want to play Gilligan. Right. Of that. right yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but what's interesting about the professor is he was like, he was handsome. He was the guy who, I mean, we've made up so many jokes about the coconut that became a radio. He was smart. He had the knowledge. And like a dark horse, he slips in as pride. Hmm. Yeah. And so we usually look at, you know, having knowledge as, you know, power. And it is to some degree when it's when it's used in a righteous way. Yeah. But that's, yeah, you, you see this very handsome, beautiful thing. And I think the enemy likes to twist what God intends to be good. And that is literally what, I mean, you, you hear the saying, and it's biblical, that pride goes before a fall. Literally, the fall of Lucifer out of heaven was because of pride and started on this planet and helped lead us toward the fall of mankind. It's very interesting because I, I, pride is one of these. We we chose it as as last for this series because we felt that it encompasses the rest of the sins. It's and, the pizza. But it's the pizza, and all the toppings are any other sin, right? That's right. You're choosing your own way rather than God's way, mm -hmm. and anything you choose, whether it's lust or whether it's greed, you've said, "All right, here's my specific sin." Greed is sausage. Is that is that what it is? Just feel like it's yeah. a greedy meat. I feel like it's cheddar because that's okay. also a term for money. Nice. But that's, okay. Yeah, that's fine too. Uh, and so it, it really is amazing when you think we live in a culture where confidence is great mm -hmm. and we, you know, self-care and pat on the back and all of that. And it, it crosses a line at some point yeah. when it's about me. Right. You know what I mean? In, it, instead it, of God. It's distinguishing the line between pride and self-respect. Mm -hmm. It's like, cause we, we hear about having team pride and all that kind of stuff. And you're like, well, how is that a bad thing? Yeah. That's not a bad thing because I think we define it differently than we would what the Bible defines as pride. 
I think it's a, a healthy self-respect, um, uh, respect for your culture, respect for an individual. Those are healthy things. But when you put it on a pedestal, yeah, yeah. then it becomes an idol. Then it becomes pride. Then it becomes a problem. I'll never forget. Uh, I was taking driver's ed. And so it was back in the day. And that's when I realized, yeah, the seven deadly sins is just kind of this this thing in culture. It's not it's not just sins from the Bible that uh, it was a movie. You know, it was a people, movie. people know it even if they don't go to church. And we're sitting there, and one student, it was very bored. We were in driver's ed taking the test, and we were, uh, uh, it was a football coach uh, giving the course. You're always um, the football coach. I know, I know. He didn't care about much. He didn't care about much at all. Uh, and so we were sitting there, and my friend Brian, who I, I believe still is an atheist, um, he was just trying to remember that list. What are the seven deadly sins? And he says to the coach at the time, the coach was your, you know, rough football coach. Um, and God bless his wife. Um, she went to our church and she was there every week alone. And so he never went with her. Never you, went. He, okay. Never, never saw him. Got it. Never saw him there. And <clears throat> Brian says, Hey coach, we're trying to think of the last of the seven deadly sins. Can you name them? I mean, greed's on there, you know, whatever. And I'll never forget. Brian says uh, pride's on there and coach says pride's on there. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Well, it stinks for me because I got a lot of pride. And it was this, I'll never forget as I I think of the prideful attitude. He's not going to give that up. No. He felt self-accomplished. Yeah. And and I kind of, that perspective has always made an impression on me that, uh, in fact, I heard a sermon on it a couple months ago, a self-made man Mm -hmm. or a self-made woman. Yeah. God put breath in your lungs. Yeah. And and there is a, a, there's, when there's not humility in it, then that's what we were talking about, the line between respect mm-hmm. and and pride. Yeah. So the actual definition, it's kind of gotten interchanged with vainglory. Vainglory is vanity. It's not exactly the same thing, is it? Vanity and pride. Pride almost is just more profoundly sneaky. Vanity is easy to spot. Vanity is a lot of hair product right here. <laughs> I'm holding my own You're holding hair. your own hair. Yeah. <laughs> but pride is a sin where I take spiritual credit for what I've done instead of giving all glory to God. Hmm. And uh, so interesting you brought up the movie. I do not recommend the movie. I watched it. it I did. I rewatched yeah. it. It was one I, of those grease moments where you're like, oh, that was a great movie. And then you rewatch it and you're like, we, oh they let God. us watch this in school? Well, what? <laughs> yeah, I was a senior when it came out. So it was 1995. And you know when you're a, a teenager and nothing gets to you? <laughs> so... <laughs> It didn't get to me. And then this time I'm like, oh, my word, my babies are in the other room. <laughs> but there's this interesting part, the villain at the very end, who's a, uh, there are small ears here, but he's, he's not a good guy. And he is the one that has been committing these acts against people in the name of these different sins. And he says in the backseat of the police car, as the movie is about to end, people have been so passive apathetic we have become desensitized to the sin that is around us all the time we don't even recognize it anymore Mm. and i hated the fact this guy that you don't like at all in the movie this horrible person you know is recognizing a truth around us it is like the professor in the show it's a dark horse that slides in you don't even know the pride that i have over my i mean it might not even be about you it may be about your kid there's this ridiculous amount of pride that you have in your kid and you start living through them in their career or, you know, the teacher and their words and insight into your son or your daughter's life doesn't matter because you know better. It's I know. And yeah. now I have my right to my right and it's my pride and it's you see how easy it is. And it's a stubbornness as yeah. well. There's so many examples of it in scripture. It's hard to kind of narrow them down. And I know we've been trying to. Well, there, there's so many because we, we also found it interesting that it, it can look like humility. And there are, I, I know in my life, there's so often the temptation and, and, and you know, the um, action of, no, I can do it. I got it. You just put it on my shoulders. I got it. And it's the false humility in hopes that I'll just get all the credit yeah. at the end. You know, it's no, no, I did. And so hopefully somebody will say, well, did you see all that Carter did? And then, and then I'll inside, I'll feel like, all right, good. Somebody noticed, but that's just, I mean, what is the motivation? Yeah. What is the motivation when I pull over and give a homeless person a bottle of water or a meal, but I put it on Facebook, 
you know, there, yeah. there, and there it could is, be different for other people that, that may not be a problem for them. Perhaps it's just, you know, encouragement for other people to do the same thing. And it's truly not a, a guilty motivation. But yeah, I think speaking for our nation, I think a lot of people want you know, a round of applause when they do something nice. You know, the heart was uh, in Hebrew culture was the uh, the all skate when it came to. The all skate. <laughs> the all skate. I love that. It took phrase. care of everything. Yeah. Like it was not only your your thinking place. It was you know where you acted out. Uh, uh, here I wrote it all down so I wouldn't mess it up. Choices motivated by desires. Yeah, of course your life starts with your heartbeat, right? Yeah. yeah. And then emotion. So your ability to be able to make choices and, and things like that, they would call it the heart. So whenever you read, like, there's this really great verse that I think Lee Strobel kind of made famous that his wife prayed over him every single day. It's Ezekiel 36, 26, and it says, Lord, change their heart and turn their heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Yeah. And so that was like an all-purpose <laughs> all type of thing. It's not, it's spirit, soul, mind, body, kind of, if you, if you want to go there. And it, it's a constant... It's reiterated throughout scripture all the time that we need a change of heart, a change of perspective. Mm. And uh, it's so important because it, it, it's never like you read the stories from the Pharisees and the Sadducees even. And I am so still guilty of the things. So the, the heart of not condemnation. I have a problem with pride when it comes to I grew up in a home. I was very blessed to grow up in a home where we we did Bible stuff. You know, my parents were pastors and I saw them read the word of God every day. It was modeled for me. I realized that's a blessing that not everybody has as an experience. So I have a lot of Bible knowledge. Well, with knowledge, what can sneak in? Pride can sneak in. Sometimes it does. And we, we do a radio show, you might know, and sometimes a, a listener will call and it'll make a comment and it'll be a, like, no brainer kind of a comment to me like well yeah that's what we were just saying and the patience is gone the 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 love the the ability to be able to empathize in some way with the the rung of the ladder that they might be on in terms of where they're at spiritually is gone because maybe because of where I'm at with the knowledge that I have which was by the grace of God alone not my own you know, yeah. I didn't come by that by any other way, but his grace. It's like almost I'm looking down the ladder of knowledge and biblical knowledge. And instead of reaching down to try to bring people in a loving way that is not condescending, maybe it's a condemning looking down your nose. That's the potential. Yeah. That's where pride leads. It's, it's hard. I don't want to admit that, but it's true. And so it's an area where I struggle. When you start to say that bold prayer that David prayed, God, search me and know my heart. Test me, know my ways. It's a bold prayer. But when you start to have that kind of peeled back and you start to realize that I am guilty in some way, the very thing that I am condemning others for, maybe because maybe they're not even Christian. Maybe they're a different faith. Maybe they have a different political view, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And I start to look down at them as opposed to being Jesus. Yeah. And getting down there with them and helping them. My, my pastor just shared this quote on Sunday. Uh, his name is Steve Besner. And he said this, that knowledge that is divorced from love will always create an air of superiority that pushes people away. Yeah. And and I like like we said, because obviously the most important thing here is if we as Christians uh, are holier than thou. Uh, it can push people away when, well, holier than thou, I think would encompass, it would imply no love, right? Right. Um, but it, it is interesting too. It, it can look different ways on, I find it interesting that, you know, your first day of a new job and you're, you think, you go tell your friends, this is the greatest company in the history of ever, and you're so excited about it. Are you saying this because our boss is in the back <laughs> over there? Well, I'm still saying it to this day. Hey, Joe. Hey, it's yes. the best yes. ever. But I, th I find it fascinating <laughs> that we get when we, <clears throat> when pride sets in mm -hmm. and we, and things over a month, over 10 years, people get jaded and you see an attitude a year in, 10 years in that you don't see from that freshness of a first day or yeah. a first month on a job because not everything has gone your way. Yeah. 
Yeah. And you see the pride in somebody or can you we've seen some very good people. I'm sure that you may know hopefully some great employees at your places that uh, if they've been there 30, 40 years that they still are there for a very mm-hmm. good reason. But you see you do see a lot of bitter people in the yeah. workforce because they because didn't get their way. So it's a it's a matter of posture. I think pride is a matter of posture. And I want to kind of explain that if I'm postured above somebody else with ideals, politics, shampoo brands, whatever it is. That's very competitive. Well, I mean, it is today. (laughs) Um, Then I have already put my, I've established a posture of pride. And so Jesus is calling out the Pharisees in Luke. And I don't think it's because he wished them ill. He wanted them to come along. And we know from his word that there were ones who did follow. Some of them were real secret about it. Interestingly enough, Joseph of Arimathea was one that did follow Jesus, but didn't tell anybody until his death. It took his death to step up to Pilate and ask for his body. Hmm. It takes death sometimes for us to step into the right posture. He's talking to the Pharisees and he says, you are always making yourselves look good, but God sees what's in your heart. So you can know all the law. The apostle Paul, who was first Saul, expert in the law, soups smart in the law but he tripped on it instead of letting it guide him towards the one who would fulfill the law and so it actually took like a bump off of a horse (laughs) knocking him off his high horse of pride (laughs) on his way to go and persecute some more people condemn some more people and it's I find myself sometimes that figure But if I do, here's the redemption part of it for Saul. He becomes Paul because he accepts the revelation that he is wrong. And that's that's the key. So what happened, though, he had to be abased. He has to he has to fall off the high horse. So now his posture is one of being abased. He's now scattered on the ground and he's blinded by the light. And anyway, you may know the story. You can read about it in the book of Acts. Fabulous story. I want to say one thing about um, Joseph of Arimathea that has nothing to do with pride, but I think you'll think it's fascinating. And then I want to get into judging other people uh, because I think that's a very fascinating topic in today's culture. But uh, I just heard Joseph of Arimathea is the guy that was uh, on the, you know, he was a Pharisee on the Sanhedrin. He had money. He had money. He's the guy that asked for Jesus' body to give him a proper burial. And I found it very fascinating recently in a study that he's a very important character to prove that Christianity is true because a lot of people say that the disciples made up this story. And if they made it up and wrote in Joseph of Arimathea, who would have been an enemy, it would be the equivalent of an American making up a story and making an Al-Qaeda member or a Russian the hero in the Mm. story. They wouldn't have done that. And so it's very fascinating that you have this real person that really did this. And there's so many things about the the story of, you know, during Jesus time and after that historical proof uh, points to it being true. So I think that's just a very fascinating thing. Yeah. Um, all right. Judging other people. I'm show of hands. Uh, anybody in here? And of course, if you're listening on your podcast app in your car, whatever, raise your hand if you want to. Um, how many of you heard the words? Don't judge me. Who are you to judge? Something along those lines. How many of you have said those words? Okay. <laughs> I say it all the time to be funny. Uh, you say, you say it in the I, store to your wife, and you're like, can we have pizza rolls again? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I said it to Alexa the other day. <laughs> Alexa said, you know what happened? I have Alexa can turn on and off my lights. And I said, Alexa, turn off the lights or whatever it was. And she did. And she said, by the way, I have some healthy eating tips if you're interested. Basically, I said, don't get off your high horse. Don't well, come in my home and judge my diet. She's all about illumination. Golly. Okay. Ah, right. took a minute. Yeah, okay. Thanks a lot. No, no, but talk about judging. All right. So we live in this culture of, um, it, it, it's whatever you want to call it, postmodernism, relativism. My way is right. It's my truth. And is this new from anything since the beginning of time? I, you know, I think it's, it's more public. It's more public. It's maybe new to America, newer to America. I think it just depends on which side of the, the timeline you're on. Sure. 
Yeah. I mean, we've been <laughs> choosing our own way for centuries, so I guess it's like however you want yeah, to call it. Yeah. But um, I, I find it very fascinating. You know what they, they point to is, you know, Jesus said not to judge. He didn't say that. He said, judge ye not lest ye be judged. And then the next line is, judge by the same measure that you would want to be judged by. Because that's going to happen. You see, we're, we're supposed to make judgment calls as yeah. Christians. We're supposed to say what is right and what is wrong. And if somebody says to me, is this you know, lifestyle okay or this choice and it's, it's not biblical, then I should say, no, it's not right. And I'm not judging that person in the sense that I am the ultimate judge. Because mm -hmm. this is notes I got from a pastor here. It's, it's by the measure that you use to judge. So uh, the verse goes on. Why look at the speck in your brother's eye, but ignore the plank in your own? See, where pride comes into this is we need to judge ourselves first. Mm. We should help out the people that we love. We should point out sin in other people's life, more than likely people that we actually know and have a rapport with. But we should look at ourselves first. I alluded to this example the other day, but I think I'm just going to use verbatim what the example is because I think it's just such a perfect example. And I do want to preface it by saying... God can change anybody and God offers forgiveness to everybody, but I'm going to use a couple of public names. So I remember when the, there was allegations, it was right when the Me Too movement was getting started and there was allegations against Bill O'Reilly for harassment and Matt Lauer interviewed Bill O'Reilly and called him out. Mm -hmm. We all know what happened a year later, months later, whatever it was, Matt Lauer was guilty of the exact same thing. And you have it's the perfect example and again by, by the grace of god go i we we've all in our hearts done horrific things and and actions as well but it is the equivalent of what this verse is saying it is saying i need to look at myself before i call somebody else out and that is where the humility has to come in and say i want to help i don't want to elevate myself to some sort of judge judgment seat that I don't have the rights to. Well, I'm back to posture when Paul gets knocked off the horse. Now he's been dethroned from his place of knowledge and going, wow, I really don't know what I'm talking about because I had an idea in my mind. The Messiah was going to take over the Roman empire. No, the Messiah was just going to take over death. He was going to conquer death itself. That mm -hmm. was what he was going to do. Yeah. And then Paul has this revelation and everything's changed. But Jesus shows us by example, the correct posture which is of the lowliest servant. And there is this incredible passage, I read it yesterday, where Jesus says, servants, if a servant comes in from plowing or from taking care of sheep, would you say, hey, welcome, come in. Can I fix you something to eat? No, you wouldn't say that. You'd say, fix me something to eat. Get ready to serve me so I can have a meal. And then later on, you can eat and drink. And this is a hard pill to swallow. But then Jesus says, servants don't deserve special thanks for doing what they're supposed to do. Mm. Servant heart, not an entitled one. And it's hard. In our yeah. culture today, it's, you know, you get yours, you do you. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be taking a towel and washing the feet of the disciples. And he, that's what, when Peter was like, what are you doing? You can't do this. He's like, you don't understand if, if I don't do this for you and show you by example, you're not going to get it. Mm. Yeah. And so I have to do this. He gave us the recipe for humility and it's never going for the first of the line, which is so hard when you're at Disney world. Cause you really want to go to the first. Of the <laughs> you line. got the fast passes. Oh I gosh. mean, come on. It's so hot yeah. in Florida, <laughs> but yeah, it's not, it's the first shall be the last. The last shall be first. John the Baptist. There's nobody better on who's ever been born of a woman than John the Baptist. And yet the lowest person in my kingdom is better than he will have a higher position than he. It's like, what does this mean, Lord? It means get over yourself, Rochelle. Hmm. It means get out the way so I can get in there and show people what real love looks like. What something really to honor looks like. What something that you truly can be respectful of or even proud of. Yeah. I... Yeah. I like that you said that it's difficult, especially in, you know, I, I've been to churches here. If you're listening to the podcast elsewhere, uh, right now we're, we're in Magnolia, uh, Texas at uh, Hebrews Coffee House. Woo! Shout out again. Um, and it is right on the outskirts of the Woodlands, which is very nice area in the Houston area. It's very posh and lush. And there's drag racing that... <laughs> 
takes place as well. I don't know if you caught that on the recording or not. I don't know if they'll be able to hear it, but a drag race just went by. <laughs> and um, Police sirens will soon follow. Yeah, that's, that's right. You said it was nice around here. Um, so I, I have been to churches in this area, um, and I have not forgotten what the pastors say, that it is hard in this area and other nice areas of the country and world to recognize that we need God because even in the United States compared to the rest of the world, you have everything you could ever want. You have everything you could ever need. You know, we went to Kenya with Compassion International a year and a half ago and you saw, you know, they depend on God in a way different way than I do, than any of us do, I would, I, I would assume in this room. And so it is difficult in where we live, like you said, but how do we get out of it? I love what John Piper says, a close look at the way God saved you, a, a, uh, the way that he saved you. He saved you in a way that no matter how you look at it, if you look at it biblically, it was designed to humble you and destroy your pride. Romans 3.27 says, can we boast then that we have done anything? to be accepted by God. No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. And I, yeah. I, would, I would bet that a lot of us, uh, you have people in your lives that totally think this or you feel the pressure even like I do, that what being a Christian means is just putting your full trust and hope that Jesus is real, mm -hmm. that Jesus is God, that he is the son of God, and that he was the perfect sacrifice. He stood in the place for our sins. And that's it Yeah. to get to heaven, right? Yeah. But we feel, and I think a lot of America thinks, well, I got to go to church enough. Well, I better not cuss. Well, I better not. Okay, there's living a Christian life, but then there's recognizing up front, there's nothing I can do to earn God's love. Yeah. He's not going to love me more based on, I might have a closer relationship because I'm listening to him more, but he's not going to love me more based on my actions because they're not that good anyway. Yeah. It may start out in your relationship with Jesus kind of checking boxes at first because you feel like, well, I know from God's word and, and reading the little bit, I know that this is something I should do. Mm -hmm. But I think it's supposed to be, and we're going to have to change the analogy in 10 years because it'll be different, but it's like connecting to his Wi-Fi. Uh -huh. He wants us to be fluid wherever we go, which depending on your program and your setup, Maybe less fluid than others. <laughs> but he wants us to tap in and never get off the Wi-Fi. And so that is about relationship, right? Um, I think it's, that's really, really good. I, well, and this to wrap up just what I said. Okay. This quote, I believe from John Piper as well. A child doesn't boast when he needs comfort in a parent's arms. Yeah. Whew, getting emotional for some reason. I was just thinking about my son. He boasts in the parents, the strength of the dad, the comfort of the mom. Mm -hmm. And when he needs that, he doesn't pull out his resume. Mm -hmm. He just goes to them. Yeah. Amen. There's one other picture that I think is just so beautiful. I, I want to share it with you. Uh, so we were watching Max Lucado online last weekend and he said when he was a kid, anybody ever have an ant farm when you were a kid? Yeah. Okay. So maybe that's like not as cool anymore because kids have like, if you want to look at ants, you can watch people get bit by like fire ants yeah. now on purpose. I have the ant filter on, uh, yeah. <laughs> on Snapchat. Yeah. So, but my, my son actually had an ant farm. Thank you to Matt for buying him the ant farm. But Max Lucado, when he was in fourth grade, they, he and his brother had one. And he said, we would watch this thing for hours. It was the iPad of the day. And one day he said, and of course he was pretending, I was in fourth grade and I'm sitting there and I'm doing my homework and I heard this tiny squeaky voice from the ant farm call out, Max, Max. And I look over and there's this little ant and he's standing on top of a crumb inside of the anthill and he says, Max, if you make me king of this ant farm, I will give you this crumb. <laughs> and Max says, what are you talking about? I gave you the crumb. I don't want the crumb back. Yeah. You gonna barter with me? I don't need your crumb. And I thought, what a great example. We have nothing, nothing that has not been allowed into our lives or given to us by God. Anything that is influencing us to think is different is antichrist. Hmm. And it got him kicked out of heaven. Yeah. And it's so important that I remember that. I don't bargain with God, but he did love me so much that, you know, Max put it, he said he was willing to come into his own creation, into the ant farm. 
and he was willing to allow his own creation to crucify him. Mm. And you talk about dying to pride. Yeah. There is no, I mean, he is God. He has nothing to prove. Mm. And if we lean into that, Carter, my word. I, I think the last thing that I, I want to say, um, and we'd love to hear your, yeah. your feedback. Uh, Questions. We have the podcast every week with Hope on Demand and the, and you know, wherever you get your podcast, the Anything With Quiet Time podcast, but uh, we've never uh, seen faces while we did it before. So this is just really cool. <laughs> and hopefully you guys had some thoughts. Uh, so it's not just us talking. Um, this was just um, what crossed my mind in encompassing all the verses and all the studies I had done for to get ready for this. Um, ultimately, pride causes every sin, like we said, and is the only sin unforgivable if drawn out to its ultimate conclusion, which is, I don't need God because I am my own God. I mean, that's why Adam and Eve ate the fruit. Isn't yeah. it interesting that we are always after becoming our own idol whenever we're seeking a life of pride and we don't even realize that in the moment, hmm. but God made us in his image. We're already his image bearers. We already, he's imprinted on us. We have everything we need in him already. And the enemy would take the truth and he would twist it and he would lie and Eve would take the fruit and eat it and then discover it was a lie. And so if I ever get into that place, please smack me. You have my right? Right right now? I take it back. Here's a high five. There we go. Yeah. But anyway, it's about, thanks for letting us discuss this with you guys. And, and please, I know you have insight. So that's why there's a microphone. Yeah. We have a, a microphone set up right here. And it here can feel and, intimidating, but hopefully you know us by now. This is not intimidating. Well, and the fact that we're just as nervous as you, <laughs> because well, uh, if you're nervous to go up there, because we haven't done this before. So it's just like she said it earlier, an all skate. Uh, and so that if was you a have, different analogy. It was still, it's an all skate. We're all in this together. Uh, any any uh, questions, comments, you know, just start with your name and we'll um, give you a hat. Uh, and well, yes, we, yes. If you come up and make a comment or ask a question, we will give you a hope on demand so, hat. It sounds so desperate. <laughs> yes. We promise we'll give you this Please? hat if you just ask us a question. We have 20 more minutes and we don't know what else to do. No, just kidding. Uh, but if there's any anything that we said, any comment, I think the only thing that we'd say is um, if you name a real situation, just don't use real names. Uh, you know, yeah. my husband, John Smith III, is the worst. Um, he lives at Cypress Road. <laughs> He'll be there all night. All right. So we will get you a shirt and a hat right now is the first one. You'll get both a shirt and a hat. Boom, right there. She's going to be the first one. All right. And, you know, the more the merrier. So if you want to line up behind her as well uh, so that it's now less nerve-wracking because somebody's already chosen to go, uh, what is your name? If you want to jump up right to the mic there. Yeah. Jennifer, Jennifer hello. Jennifer. Yes. So one thing that you mentioned is about judging. Mm -hmm. And as a parent of two children, a 16-year-old and a 10-year-old, and my 10-year-old daughter's here with me tonight, Hi. that's one of the things that we get all the times is, well, this parent allows this to happen in their home, you know, yeah. and why don't we allow that? And so we always say to them, you know, that's not for us to judge what they do in their home, but this is what we do in our home. Mm. Yeah. And so we're not telling them, you know, we're not criticizing the other person. We're not saying right or wrong because we're not really in their home. Mm -hmm. So we don't know what's going on. Absolutely. Because there's sometimes, you know, when I talk to the parents, they're, you know, I'm like, no, my child does not stay up till two in the morning right. on their Wi-Fi. I'm like, really? <laughs> well, that's what they're saying to the others. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so I'm like, hmm. Yeah. So we kind of work on that with them on the judging part of it. And so yeah. we, we set that example. For yeah. And I, then and Carter, you said something this week about you do you. Uh -huh. And you were like, that was a long time ago about you do you. And I'm happy to be in a Bible study right now with shape and about your abilities and how God has designed you. And you said, you do how God has designed you. Mm -hmm. And I reflected back on that and so the good. abilities that God has given each individual. And I said, yes, you can do you, but you're doing you because of how God has designed you. Yeah, that's and true. And so yeah. accept those abilities, accept that heart, and that makes you be able to do you. Preach. God yeah, it, so. all right. Yeah. You definitely deserve this hat and this shirt right here. Yeah. I think you wanted to speak to that first part, and so did I. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. just, I think you bring up an excellent point. We had this opportunity, um, my son and I, we went to go to a restaurant we go to, and there's a person in line who I could just tell by their appearance, they have some different belief systems than I do. And I used it as an opportunity to talk to my son. And we've been going over all these sins lately. And I said, honey, even when you know the truth, 
you don't always apply. He like finished it before I said it. Isn't that the Holy Spirit? It's the same one in me that's in him. And he can talk to our babies just like he does to us. Sometimes it comes out a little clearer. But here's an opportunity to say this person probably has a different measuring system than we do. So their metric, and for some reason we're still stuck in the foot inches in the United States. I don't know why, but, but you know, we're just different <laughs> measurements. You know, we're not gauging it the same way. Okay. Well, you're you know, just going to stake your claim against the metric system. That's what you're going to do tonight I just, with your platform. I'm just saying. <laughs> the point, the, and my point, hopefully it won't get lost in the silly, is that it's a different ruler. It doesn't, it's not going to measure the same. And so when I start condemning a person who has not the same measurement stick because they didn't grow up that way, because somebody did them wrong, they got burned, and, and God wants them to... It, the only way they're going to come in is through compassion, right? And through love and through, you, this is a safe environment. This is your community. You're searching and craving for it just like every single one of us. And if I'm doing my job as a follower of Christ, you're only seeing the reflection of his light. Hmm. Come on over. Yeah. And I, I think we have those amazing opportunities with our kids because mine are about the same age as yours. And I, sometimes I just assume that they're getting it by proxy because I'm standing there. That's so stupid, Rochelle. I don't know why I do that. I'm like, wait, you know that you shouldn't put your leg up over that armchair of somebody else's house, right? right. <laughs> oh, maybe I should talk about you this with my them, children. Right. Yeah. But yeah, these incredible moments when you see them out in public and say, how should we respond? How should we react? And shock your children with a gracious response to something that sometimes I think we, even in ourselves, might have a triggered reaction to when we see that makes me upset because it's not what I believe. Mm -hmm. But what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? He loved well. And it, yeah, it was always an extension of grace. And, and, and I love that because we can't hold people who don't even claim Christ, people who are unbelievers to the same standards as believers. Yeah. We get so mad on Facebook. We get so mad on politics. And half the people even that, that say they're Christians prob aren't you know, or they're not living it. Right. And so one thing that I wrote down in these notes is if someone tells me, you know, speaking about talking to our kids and reminding ourselves, if someone tells me they do something or are for something, I can tell them that it's wrong biblically, um, but I cannot judge their motivation. Yeah. You know, I can't sit here and get, we talked about the giving food to the homeless and then judging you know, if I was going to sit here and judge their motivation of why they put it on Facebook. I could never know truly. And I can't judge what they do in secret either. And so I, I think it's just a, a good reminder to um, make sure that. Yeah, I, I think a part of that was telling people what's true biblically. So many people will start the argument. What do you think about? Dot, 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 controversial subject. You do that. And I, all the time. It's, it's a fun question. It gets a good response. Um, but I have to sit back and go, it doesn't matter what I think. Here's what the Bible says. And so, you know, and that obviously may be more controversial topics rather than how late they, they stay up and whatnot. But I think it's a, it's a good start. You're a so, great mom. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Jennifer. That's incredible. Here, Gosh, have a shirt yeah, and a hat. Here, take that. Absolutely. All right. Brave to go first. And then we have person number two. Hello, what is your name? My name is Michelle, and I'm going to give a shout out to my kids at Bailey Middle School. Hey. Hey. Off Cypress Wood? Uh, yes. All right. I used Cypress to live over there. Yeah. And yeah. how old are your kids? Sixth grade. They're both sixth grade? Oh, I teach sixth grade. Oh, you teach. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So yeah. You have many babies. Thank you for what you do for our kids. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. So playing on devil's advocate or poking the bear here on this one is this is always a hot topic with me on judgment and judging yeah. is because people always say oh judge not lest you be judged etc mm -hmm. etc et and, and they I'm can like, use it wait, to get out of stuff but wait <laughs> or to excuse other people's behavior yeah. I said but don't forget first Corinthians 5 12 and mm -hmm. 13 which says um oh my gosh, I got it right here remind me it says um to um I'm not to judge those outside the church. Mm. That is for God to judge. Yeah, okay. I am called to judge those inside that the church. He's given you, yes. So we are called to judge, but not to judge their salvation or anything, but their mm. actions. And so people yeah. forget we do have to have Absolutely. some kind of judgment as Christians. Right. We do. I yeah. think it has to be a monitored situation. Otherwise, this girl's going to go willy-nilly with people, right? Oh, girl, you need to do this. You need to do that. What are you doing? And I've done it before. And it's always met with resistance because I wasn't in the right spirit. Mm, and I yeah. have to know when the right, the timing of the Lord is everything. Right. And so if I, if I'm in a position 
if he has put me in a position of being able to share into the life of another, mentor into the life of another, come alongside in a coffee gathering with another person, I have an opportunity there. Absolutely. If I met with the same type of like, hey, if, if I'm willing to share my junk, then I get to share into your junk. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It has to kind of be a shared experience. Otherwise, it does start to become a, it can be taken. It's, people are now immediately on the defensive because they feel like you're on the offensive, even if that's not your heart. And so the timing I've discovered in life is just, it has to be everything. But you're right. If we don't help, a brother, if they're falling off a cliff and we're the ones that are there to help catch them. I got to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, putting myself in a position where I will one day be able to help them. You know what I mean? I can't be falling off the cliff if I'm going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think perfect timing for me at our church. We have really uh, um, started talking about w- having the head knowledge, the, the-, the theology, the doctrine, the belief, the understanding, the scripture, the interpretation, all of that. But making sure that gets down to our heart, because if we just preach at people, but not love people in the process uh, it's not really going to help. And I, I've had to, I've had some friends of a different faith that we've had some great discussions on what's true. What does God say? They have some other scriptures to go along the Bible that just aren't accurate. And we get to try and point those out, but I have to remember to not just try and win an argument. You know, that's not the point. You know, I don't want to win an argument and prove your religion wrong. And then you be an atheist. I want you to experience the love of Jesus. And the perspective of the disciples is also kind of helpful because you, you even see in Jesus's response to John and Peter at the same beach at the same time. And Peter, he's asking him three times in a row. You love me. You love me. You love me. And then he tells him what's going to happen. You're going to be taken someplace where you don't want to go. You're basically, you're going to give your life for me. And immediately Peter starts sweating and looking around the other beach and he points out John. He's like, what about him? Don't mess with John. You leave John to me. You follow me, Peter. And I've used that not just in the moments of, of wanting to look at the other people and do the comparison thing with other people. and Where are they at in their spiritual life? But mm-hmm. also understanding that it is a process, this thing that we're walking out and journeying with Jesus Christ, and we are going to receive it differently because we are all from different backgrounds, different shapes, different sizes, different creeds. I'm married into a Hispanic family. Their culture is incredibly different than my culture. My mother-in-law tells me what she thinks. My Irish mother is a very, very subtle person, and it's a completely different situation, but both are so filled with love, and I have to kind of figure, you know, it's, it's a gauging process with each other. I love your heart, and as a teacher, too, I know that Ooh. you just want to spill out and over and and bring as much love into people as possible, and that's where all this, I think, the most sincere people, that, that's where, it, for most of us, it comes from. It's not about condemning. It's not about judging. It's, I want to help you, but trying to measure out when and where it, it does get tricky well, and, and it thank, has to be a thank you for what you Jesus do thing. because oh my gosh um, well and i wanted to ask you actually i had a question for you how how is it how do you think it's different how long you've been teaching about five years six years how do you how is it different from with the kids and the culture from when you started to now do you see much of a difference uh, there's a huge difference right now and a lot of that has to do with pandemic versus pre-pandemic because these kids, some of them haven't been in school for two years. Hmm. And so their academics and their maturity levels um, are on the same level that they might have been two years ago. They haven't really progressed as much because of it. So just in that alone, it's a real struggle for our kids to bring them up to where they really need to be. Mm. Can we pray for you, Michelle? Absolutely. Anything specifically? I mean, you just shared just now, but is there anything specifically we can pray for you two right now? Just relationships. You got it. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the heart of teachers. It's what you are. You are our best teacher. And the amazing people who give so humbly every single day in service, Lord, are modeling the very thing that you you taught us to be. It's the opposite of the pride thing. It's humility. And we're grateful for people like Michelle and thankful that she can represent so many who have made this profession, who have made this their desire in different settings of churches and such, and uh, as well as schools. And we know it's been a, a particular challenge, obviously, in the last couple of years. So, Father, in those places where things are are waning where stress and nerves are are getting thinner, where relationships with parents are maybe becoming a struggle. Father, your light and your love through this precious woman, it it just glows with you. I pray, Father, that it would overwhelm in a beautiful way. It would bring peace in the midst of storms, Lord, your comfort 
in the midst of all of this. And in these times where she might be able to speak into a God, you've opened a door of opportunity to help guide in a way that is not condemning, but helpful. Lord, that it would be received well, that she would know when and where to step and tread and all that, God. We, we do struggle with that, Lord, because we know that you told us to make disciples. And so we're doing our best here, Lord. Would you help us in those ways that we struggle? We love you and we have faith in you. We know we can trust you with all of these things and more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. All right, who's next? Hi, my name is Sarah Derm. And when you were talking about like the homeless situation and mm-hmm. somebody passing out bottles and then filming it, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. yeah. it made me think of somebody who um, was a public figure. I went to a talk and they're like, you know, you want to do good and you want to be seen doing good. Mm-hmm. And this whole thought, like mm-hmm. it, it, there's these two verses that came to mind. They're both in Matthew. Matthew 6, 3 says, but when you give to the needy, do mm-hmm. not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Yeah. The other side of that, in Matthew five sixteen, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Yeah. So I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about, you know, for someone who doesn't want to be prideful, but wants sure. to be a light, but doesn't want to be super public, but like, right. how do it. you balance that? Yeah, well, I, what, the words <laughs> that came so to mind, a question, that is a question. really good question, Sarah. Um, the, what, the words that came to my mind right when you asked the first part of that, uh, social currency with that quote that you you shared of that public figure be seen doing good and so it comes down to motivation and heart and and we I think I think I should be seen doing good because that's just what I do for a reason a, a bigger reason but if I'm doing it you know it's kind of like if I want to I don't know clean up the church parking lot and I really want to then you better it, do it at night when no one gets. I was going to say, then it truly doesn't matter what time I go, and I could do that to. I, to be honest with you, I even if I do something to make myself even not tempt myself to get a good pat on the back from somebody, I I do it at a, a time where nobody's there. Um, but I I think that if it, the timing shouldn't affect when I do it. So if I want to clean the church parking lot, truly then I just go when it's convenient to me or or really try and do it at, at night. If I want to be seen by other people so they say something and I go when the most, you know, right after church or when most people are there and I'm intentionally, I know in my heart, I'm doing it and I'm hoping to get one of these, that's where it crosses a line. Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to, to figure that out. And I think what's so tremendous about God is he knows your heart, Right. Nobody else can. So even if you posted something like that because you felt completely okay, there's always going to be somebody that's like, oh, I see what she did. She, <laughs> wanted, she wanted the pat on the back. She wanted right. some self-love. But God knows that that's not necessarily true. And we work on the, the air. We have a podcast. We try to put our lives on the show. There are many days that I struggle and think, boy, does this sound like I just want one of these. Mm. God, you know my heart. I'm going to screw up from time to time because I'm a ham. Carter is a ham. We were born to be stupid in front of people. Amen. And, and, and to get to share in positive ways too, in profound ways hopefully. But, uh, <laughs> you skirted over the last yeah. part of that. <laughs> but where does that come into life? But it kind of goes back to that thought of, um, I, I think we... I think we shared it earlier about like the, the personality, how that kind of works in there with it. And I mean, he knows who you are and the way that you do things is going to be a part of how you present the gospel. And he doesn't want that to come apart from that because he made you, he made us the way that we are for a very specific reason. I've posted stuff on social media when I did something nice. And part of me is like, well, this will be good for the station. Clearly, it was, I knew I was supposed to go because I felt like the Lord was telling me to do it. Yes, I'm thinking about the angle of the camera right now while I'm telling my story to make sure I got the right side of the face, you know, or whatever. (laughs) And all of that works in and you start to go, Lord, is this being motivated by pride or is this being motivated by you? And I'm just going to release it. I'll give you an example on a different subject. You know, just I I can speak for for most guys, you know, obviously with um, just media, it can be difficult. One of the other seven deadly sins of the the issue of lust. You know, you say you're scrolling Netflix and you see a movie. Let's say Giselle was in a movie, you know, and she is the uh, the thumbnail of she's right there. And I can convince myself that, oh, I want to watch the movie because it sounds like a good movie. Or am I really just clicking that because I want to see Giselle? 
And I have to weigh that of what am I truly doing? And so I think it's a, a good example of you may post on social media. We've worked with Star of Hope, for example, on the homeless uh, topic. And um, you may post because you want to give props to Star of Hope and encourage other people to volunteer. But I would just have to ask myself, is that really why I'm doing it? Or if I truly do that and I get a, hey, that's really cool, then okay, I got a compliment and cool. But did I do it for the compliment? So, yeah. Thank you. That's a, that's a great that's question. A yeah. It kind of oh, goes man. back to earlier. It was a few podcasts ago. You brought up this really, I don't know. We kind of landed nowhere. Okay. <laughs> you asked, is there really an un altruism there is a real selfless thing that you can actually do and i countered with does that need to be a thing Mm -hmm. because when god came and some would say did the most selfless thing ever gave his life for all of humanity to be saved wasn't that also for the purpose of drawing mankind back to his heart So there was, if you will, a selfish motive there, but it was a pure one. So is there, is there, it's always negative thing that somebody sees you on Facebook and sees you doing a good thing and gives you encouragement. As long as you, like I I would sing when I was a little girl. And so my, my dad would tell me if anybody comes up to you after you're done singing and compliments you, this is a gift that you're presenting to God and to others so that they can be blessed by your gift. But remember who gave you the gift, and you can feel the warm fuzzy of it. That's what he would say. Feel the warm fuzzy of it, but then release it back to, you know, the one who who gave it to you. And if you're always trying to keep doing that, hold things loosely because it doesn't belong to me anyway. God forbid one day the voice is gone. You know, yeah. it was his to begin with. If he needs to take it, he'll take it back. Altruism is the fancy word that we cover. The, yes, the you philosophy class will ask you, is there anything that's truly in and of itself selfless? Because you always at least feel good after doing something nice. And and I think that's what you, that's getting into the weeds of it. OK, I gave a yeah. homeless person a meal. I'm going to feel good because it's you know, it's the right thing, regardless of, of what my motivation is. So that includes if I did it for the right motivation, but it happens to feel good because I did the right thing. I can't worry about that. I can't. So I'm going to run through a list here and then I think maybe, yeah. Is that, and feel free if there's anybody else, but yeah, go ahead. So these are the things I got to check in my own spirit. False humility, comparison, stubbornness, oh, drunk with power, vanity, too good for or better than, blinded by selfishness. I can't even see what's right in front of me. Like Pharaoh, <laughs> his whole kingdom came to an end. His army swallowed up in the sea. Couldn't see because he was so stubborn, selfish. My rights to my rights, choices made with only me in mind, and needing and craving the credit. And how do I combat those things? His name is Jesus. The spirit of him is in you and in me. And he is humility embodied. And that's how we do it. One day at a time. Hmm. One day at a time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being the first here at the so live awesome. recording of the Anything But Quiet Time podcast. Uh, the series is ended here, but our, our weekly podcast is up every Monday at HopeOnDemand.com. It wasn't too scary. And anywhere you get your podcasts. No. Not no. too creepy. No, not too creepy. We have that creepy music, though. That's, that's always fun. 